Uh, it's a little bit warm. You may have noticed that, but we're going to celebrate together. Um, next Sunday, maybe you want to get here early and get a spot right in front of the air conditioners. There's a prime spot there. Uh, but we're so glad that you made a decision to be here on this hot day. We're going to have a fun little chat. Um, today is, is today the last day in June? Is it June 30 days? Okay, last day in June, I always have to say a little poem, um, which means that we are right smack dab in the middle of summer vacation. Yes, summer vacation. One person is excited about that. That's fine. Summer vacation, which is a vacation for no one but children. That's a joke from Jim Gaffigan. It's a vacation for no one but children. Um, The whole summer vacation thing is such a different perception of what that is from being a kid to being a parent. It's a totally different experience for parents, especially if you have little ones. It's like a lot more work because you have to keep your kids occupied, right? And from the kid's perspective, I don't know what it's just, I guess it's, it's just a lot of fun, isn't it, Jacob? You have a lot of fun as a kid. I remember when I was growing up, I was assigned some chores over summer vacation. I really think I was supposed to do it all. Yeah, I know, right? Chores? Can you imagine that? What is going on? My mom's here today if you want to talk to her about that anyway. I'll, But we're trying to give our girls chores to do, too, like simple things. Our oldest is eight, and so they can't, like, reshingle the roof or stuff yet. But we're trying to at least take responsibility for your own stuff. That's been the big thing in our household. It's like, this is just this one chore. It's like, you've got the stuff, you've made a mess, then clean up afterwards. You have the toys, you've played with them, put them away. And what I love to, it's just so funny. When we hear, that's not fair, I'm thinking, like, that is the definition of fair. You make the mess. You, that, that is fair. But there is this sense when we're kids and sometimes we hang on to it as adults. It's like, I can't believe I have to do this. One of the chores that I had when I was growing up is, uh, and this may sound a little bit strange, but I had to pick up sticks and trash from our yard before my dad would cut the grass. And you might be thinking, why was there trash in the yard? Well, it might seem weird to you. It didn't seem weird to me because it's just how I grew up. But we live pretty close to a business, okay? And sometimes there would be trash that would, I don't know, maybe it was the wind pattern. It would just kind of make its way from that business dumpster right into our yard, and our kind of fence would catch it there. So that was a lot of fun growing up. I'm not going to say what business it was because I don't want to speak ill of any businesses. It was just an old-fashioned butcher shop in Holmes. I'm just going to say that. So anyway... So that was my job, right? Any one of, the, any one of them. It could have been any one. That was my job before my dad could cut the grass. I didn't have to cut the grass. There was a, we had a, a good bit of grass to cut. I didn't have to do that. Just pick up the trash and pick up the sticks. And let me tell you, I was the worst at it, right? I never, and it's so frustrating now as a parent. I feel so bad. I'm like, oh, Dad, I'm so sorry. That's how I was. It's like I was the worst at it. I had to be told multiple times. I took no initiative. I had no motivation. I was like, well, I don't have any gloves. Well, go find some gloves. Well, where are the trash bags? You know where the trash bags are. Like, that was me, right? I'm just owning it. That's how I was, right? And so I would go out there, and after being, you know, encouraged, we'll call it encouraged, several times to go and do this, I would eventually go and do it. And the whole time I'm out there thinking, this isn't fair. I didn't put this trash here. It's their trash. Get them to come do it, right? And so you pick up the trash. You pick up the sticks. Mission accomplished. Whew. Next week, would roll around. Okay, my dad would come up to me. It's time to cut the grass. You pick up the trash? Yeah. Well, how come I still see trash out there? Because I just picked, well, I picked it up. When did you pick it up? Last week. Well, there's more trash this week. Are you kidding me? I just got to do this again week after week after week. You got to be kidding me. There's one of those moments in life, if you have moments like this, where you start to realize that so much of your existence here under the sun, so much of your existence here in this planet is just doing the same chores on repeat over and over and over again. Did you ever realize that, students? Are you starting to realize that? Right? One of my other jobs that, again, I was terrible at and didn't do unless I was really pushed, was doing the dishes. That was my job for a season. Oh, I hated that. 
I hated that more than trash. I hated, I hated just to get your hands in there. It's like, oh, chewed up food, nasty. I did not like that. <laughs> I'm still not a fan of it. I did not like that at all. And so you do the dishes, and guess what happens the very next day? Are you kidding me? Is this how this works? My goodness gracious, just over and over and over and over again. Some of the things that we do, the chores that we have, they just don't stop, do they? Over and over and over again. You make the bed. You sleep in it. You make it again. You make dinner. Just gets eaten, doesn't it? Over and this, so much of our lives are filled with these things that, listen, they're necessary, but they kind of feel futile. What's the point of all this? What are we doing over and over and over again? Those of you who are participating in this um, Bible reading that we're doing as a church, we've done this thing. Is it listed in the bulletin still? Yeah, it's there. So we're doing this thing this year, and some people have signed up and are a part of that. We're reading through the entire Bible chronologically throughout the course of the year. If you're not participating in that, that's fine. It's, that's cool, and especially if you're newer to the church, that's fine. But this past, well, actually, it was two weeks ago, we read the book of Ecclesiastes. Am I saying that right, Ecclesiastes? Yeah, a book of Ecclesiastes. Um, and when we read that book together, when that was part of the readings, I was anticipating a lot of emails and questions. I didn't get any. I was like, oh, I guess everybody understands this book. But I was anticipating a lot of questions, even at our Monday night Bible study. I was like, okay, I'm ready for the Ecclesiastes questions. Bring them on. There weren't that many. And I was surprised by that because this book of Ecclesiastes is kind of tough for those of you who have read it. And if you haven't read the book, regardless of whether or not you're participating in this Bible study thing, you can just pick it up and read it today. I mean, you hang out at church for a little bit, go play some softball, have a nice lunch, get somewhere where there's air conditioning, and read Ecclesiastes. Doesn't that sound like a fun afternoon? That'd be great. Get yourself somewhere to read this. Because it's a really important book. And one of the things that the writer of the book, Solomon, who is the wisest person who ever lived prior to Jesus, one of the things that he addresses, or the main thing he addresses, is these things that we do that just never stop. They just keep happening. And really the big question of the book of Ecclesiastes, or at least one of the questions, the main question is like, what is worth doing? What is worth doing on this planet Earth? What is worth doing under the sun? What is worth doing and what is worth pursuing? And so take a look if you have a Bible with you or your phone or some way to look up Ecclesiastes. If you want to know how to spell it, I don't know, just figure it out. ECC and then it goes on from there. Ecclesiastes never a strong spell. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Let, just, just, if, you've never, if you're not familiar with this book, let me give you just a little taste, a little sample. Start at the beginning. Ecclesiastes 1, 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. This is Solomon. He says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Let's close in prayer. Let's not, right? My goodness gracious. And it just gets tougher from that point on. And Solomon, he goes into this thing about how he explored. And he was the king. He was the richest man who ever lived. And he, he had time on his hands, a little bit of time. I mean, he was a busy guy. But he had the ability to pursue different avenues of life and consider laughter and consider joy and consider entertainment, if you want to call it that, and pursue all these different things. And he just put a kind of like a, a, a magnifying lens across the earth and said, what is worth doing on this planet and what is worth pursuing? And he starts out with a real bang, meaningless. And then he goes into this thing. 
What do people, verse 3, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, everything on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full to the place the streams come from. There they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its here of filling. It's fill of hearing. My goodness. Solomon, are you okay, buddy? Do you need some counseling? What's going on here? One of the things I greatly appreciate about this book of Ecclesiastes is it seems to me to be a very raw, honest, unsanitized book written by a man going through some stuff, researching life, exploring some possibilities, written by a man who is seeking some big answers to some big questions. It's a very honest book. And he examines what is it that's worth doing on this earth. And as I mentioned earlier, there are these chore-type things that we do that we just have to do because of necessity. If you want to eat, I guess you've got to cook yourself a meal, right? If you want to have clean dishes, I guess you have to clean them. If you want your grass to be cut, I guess you have to cut it. You know, there are these things that you just have to do, and there's no end to it. These chores, they just go on and on and on. But beyond the things that we do, there are the things that we pursue on this planet. There are the things that we pursue in this life under the sun. What are we pursuing? What are we after? What are we working towards? What's it all about? You know, there used to be a time, at least this is my perception, maybe I'm wrong about this, there used to be a time where I feel like people would ask these big questions, right? What is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of my life? Do we ask questions like that anymore? Did we ever, I think we did, did we ever as human beings ask questions like that? What is the meaning of this all? Are we too busy? Is that, is that the problem? Are we too busy to pause and ask questions like this of why am I here? What's my purpose? What is the meaning of this life? What can I contribute to society? What can I contribute here in my days? Do we ask questions like that anymore? Are we too busy? Maybe we're too busy. Or maybe we feel as if these questions have already been answered, right? Especially those of us who live in this society, who live in America, we have this thing, we kind of call it the American dream. I'm not knocking America. It's Fourth of July coming up. Don't knock America. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, right? But we have this idea of the American dream, and what is it all about? It's like you make yourself something out of nothing. You build yourself up. You work really hard. You do well in school. You do well in college, or you learn a trade, and you get a good job, and you make some good money, or you start a business, and you make some good money. And why do you need to do that? So you can buy a nice house at a big house, and why do you need a big house? So you can fill it with big things, so you can surround yourself with as many comforts as possible, so you can retire comfortably and live easy and then die. What? I mean, it all sounded good right after that last part. What? Goodness gracious. One of the most terrifying things that Jesus ever says, in my opinion, is he says this, seek and you will find. That sounds great, right? But it's depending on what you're seeking after. If you're seeking after God, that's a wonderful promise. You will find him. If you're seeking after truth, that's a wonderful promise that you will find truth. But if you're seeking after something else, you might just find that something else. If you're seeking after success, well, how do you define success? If you're seeking after financial security, well, what does that mean? I mean, Solomon says the rich man never has enough wealth. It's like, okay, I got this much. Let me get some more, right? And that's one of the things that people pursue. And they don't call it wealth because that seems greedy. We pursue financial security. That's great. Is there ever a point where you say, that's enough? I'm secure enough? I don't know. For some people, no. They just keep questing and questing and questing. Or what about, what about fame? I know that seems weird to us because we're not pursuing fame, are we? Are we? I don't know. Popularity, a little bit. Want to be known a little bit. Is that a thing? I don't know. Maybe for some of us. Maybe not on a grand scale, 
but you set up your social media thing. What is, who was it? Andy Warhol said that thing, everybody's going to be famous for 15 minutes. There is that, there, do you guys familiar with that quote? Or is that new? No, you know that, right? Everybody will be famous for 15 minutes. And there's that thing of pursuing fame, and you put yourself out there, and you take some pictures of yourself, and you try to get some followers, and you share your opinions, and you try to have some influence. Do you ever have enough followers, enough influence? You just keep seeking and seeking. It's like chasing after the wind. You just can't catch it. And even if you could catch it, what would you do with it once you had it? Wow. What are we pursuing in this life? It's scary to take a step back and look at these things that we pursue. What are we doing? What are we pursuing? How about the things that we desire? What about the things that we look forward to? We're going to get to a happy place by the end of this, I think. At least I hope so, right? What about these things that we're looking forward to? These things that we desire? Hey, you guys remember, this is a while ago, do you remember when the Eagles won the Super Bowl? Yeah, right? Now, I'm not a big sports fan, but even I, that season was interesting, right? Got caught up in the end of it. I jumped on the bandwagon, had some fun with that, enjoyed the Super Bowl. What a fantastic time. But for those people who are lifelong Eagles fans, it was like, yes, we finally did it. Don't you love that, we? I didn't see you on the field. We finally did it, right? And that's awesome. And I was excited, you know, just to be on the bandwagon. I had a great, I was like, yeah, we, yeah, we sure did do it, right? I barely even watched any games. So we did it, yes. And then we had the parade. Woo, we did it. And then the parade was over. I was listening to the radio the day after the parade, and somebody was on talking about it. I was like, yeah, I was so excited. I'm a lifelong Eagles fan. I've been watching my whole life since I was a little boy. I got season tickets, and we won the Super Bowl. Now what? Now what? Is that all there is? Now what? These things that we look forward to are the vacation. Oh, the vacation. You're planning a vacation. Did you go on vacation? You're planning a vacation. You're looking forward to vacation. You get on vacation. Yay, wonderful. Is this it? Now I have to go back to work? Right? Our buddy Jim Gaffigan, I've mentioned him twice. Two shout-outs for Jim Gaffigan and one message. How about that? Jim Gaffigan tells this joke about going to Disney, staying on a resort, right? A beautiful resort, and they had giraffes that would pass by your window every day. First day they get there, whoa, it's a giraffe. Second day, ah, uh, giraffe again. You know what I mean? My goodness. We just never have our fill of seeing or hearing or experiences, and we pursue these things, and we go on these vacations. Like, well, that was, that was, that was, that was great. Is that it? There's a song that uh, Peggy Lee sings, okay? She doesn't sing it anymore. But there's a Peggy Lee song, and you guys know that I'm a big fan of Peggy Lee. I celebrate her entire catalog. She's American treasure. What can I say? That was a joke, not a single. That's fine. <clears throat> That's fine. It doesn't matter. You don't have to laugh at all my jokes. It's fine. But there's this song called, Is That All There Is? I want to encourage you to go ahead and look up the lyrics to that song. I can't believe this song was produced. It's mostly spoken word. It's kind of poetic. It's mostly, are some of you familiar with the song? Is that all there is? I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. It's mostly spoken word. Let me read some of this song to you. And when I was 12 years old, my father took me to a circus, the greatest show on earth. There were clowns and elephants and dancing bears and a beautiful lady in pink tights flew high above our heads. And so I sat there watching this marvelous spectacle and had the feeling that something was missing. I don't know what, but when it was over, I said to myself, is that all there is to a circus? Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball if that's all there is. And that's the idea of the song repeated again and again. It kind of reminds me of what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 15. 
says, so I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. If that's all there is, if that's all there is, what is it in this life? Our limited days under the sun. What is worth doing? What's worth desiring? Most importantly, what is worth pursuing? Who was it, Socrates, that said uh, an unexamined life, something about how dangerous it is to live an unexamined life is not worth living? How often do we examine our lives, our motivations, our purposes? Socrates, or some of you know him as Socrates. He said that. The unexamined lives, life is not worth living. And so we need to take, and I don't necessarily agree with that, but, but we, there's a point there. We need to take a look at ourselves and our lives and our motivations. What are we pursuing? What in the world is worth doing? Literally, what in the world is worth doing? Because, spoiler alert, one day we will all die. That's a given. A lot of mystery between here and there, but the given is there is an end to life under the sun, to life on this earth. I really feel like the, the totality of Ecclesiastes can be summed up by the first two verses of the book and the last two verses of the book. Last two verses of the book are printed there in your bulletin. And so after this examination, after this process that Solomon talks us through of what he explored, he writes all this down, what he explored and what he pursued and these different things that he tried to fill his time, after all that he comes to a conclusion. This is what he says. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Fear God. So Solomon saying to us, I explored every possible thing that you can do with your time under the sun, and here's what I've come up with. Meaningless, meaningless is this life. I'm not sure if I can give you meaning. I'm not sure if I can answer the question of what is the meaning of life, but I can tell you what is worth doing. Serving God. Keeping his commandments. Anybody else a little bit let down by that answer? Come on, Solomon. This was such a raw, honest book. And this feels like such a Sunday school sanitized kind of answer. Are you kidding me? You got nothing better to do with this life than keep God's commandments and serve God? Well, that's it. That's all there is that's worth doing. And you know what, Solomon, we have to keep this in mind. He lived before the cross, before Jesus. He didn't understand salvation. He didn't understand the work that Jesus would accomplish. He didn't understand that. But he had some significant insight. And I 100% agree with the wisest man who ever lived. (laughs) I agree with Solomon that this is the only thing that's worth doing, is keeping the commandments of God, serving God. Why? This is the point of today, okay? If I've I've bummed you out at all, let's, let's turn that around now, okay? This is the point of all this. The things that we do in service of God are the only things that have eternal value, The things that we do in service of God are the only things that have a value beyond this life under the sun. The things that we do serving God matter because there's eternal value to these things. Yesterday afternoon, in the heat of the day, I spent about three hours cleaning the siding of my garage, scrubbing off the mold, cleaning it, and you know what? One or two years from now, I'm going to have to do that same thing again. And you know what? A few decades in the future, that building's not going to be standing anymore. That has no, all that work, all that effort, no eternal value. But hopefully, not sure, but hopefully what I'm doing right now and communicating a message from God to you, hopefully that does have some eternal 
value. The things that we do in service of God have eternal value. And some of y'all are going to go out to the softball game after worship today. You're going to play this game, or you're going to be a spectator, or you're going to cheer, or whatever it is. And by the way, if you don't want to play, just go watch. No one's going to get on your case. Why aren't you playing? Just go watch. It's fine. You're going to go. You're going to watch. You're going to play, and somebody's going to win, and somebody's going to lose. Big deal. So what? No eternal value to that. But what about the little conversations that you might have, the friendships in Christ that you might form and build, the little bit of encouragement or peace or comfort exchanged in those words, the seeds of a friendship in Christ building? Oh, boy, that, that has eternal value. My goodness gracious. My goodness gracious, there's more to life. I feel like I said this recently. There's more than life than just pursuing comfort financial security, fame, or whatever else it is. I mean, all those things just fade away. King Solomon himself, wealthiest man to ever have lived, built the most beautiful temple. Far and away, you guys doing the Bible rings, you read the, the, the detailed description of this temple. And then the palace that he built, more beautiful than ever, any palace that has ever existed. This beautiful palace and the work that it took to make these things. Where are they now? Gone. No eternal value. But this message from God that he wrote down here, hello, we still have that today. And it's still guiding and shaping us today. There is eternal value in these things. It's the only thing, listen, if we want our lives to matter, I mean, if you don't want your life to matter, then maybe we should have a conversation after worship. But if you want to do something that matters in this world, you've got to find a way to, to serve God and keep his commandments and do what he has told us to do. And in light of the New Testament, we know what we've been told to do. We've been told to make disciples. We've been told to share the gospel. We've been told to participate in our own discipleship and learn the words of God, learn the teachings of Jesus, and then share them with other people. That's what we have been told to do. And that matters. That has eternal value. And if you hear this, if you hear Solomon say, well, you've got to keep God's commandments and that all there is to life. If you, if you hear that and it feels like a negative thing to you, you might need to rethink the way you think about serving God. Serving God is more than just showing up somewhere on a Sunday morning and, and serving as an, you know, our soundboard or an usher or singing in the band. It's bigger than that. It's bolder than that. It's impacting people, sharing the story of Jesus, sharing the gospel. These things, oh my goodness, have an eternal value. What's remarkable is when we get to the New Testament and we look at the life of Jesus. Watch this when we get to the Gospels. Watch this. He seems to trim out so much stuff in life that doesn't matter. He doesn't own property which means that he doesn't have to scrub mold off his garage. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to clean up the trash. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to do things that he trims all this stuff. Anything that he can trim out of his life that doesn't matter, he seems to have done that. Did you ever notice that about Jesus? Doesn't spend a lot of time doing things that aren't necessary. Doesn't spend any time pursuing things that aren't worth pursuing. He devotes his entire existence to keeping the commandment of Father God, to doing what he was called to do. There are two things that Jesus wants for you. Okay, maybe there are more than two. There are top two things that Jesus wants for you. First and foremost, he wants you to receive him as your savior. He loves you. He loves you. He wants to spend eternity with you. That's, that's I mean, who's, who's going to argue with that? I don't think anybody, any Christian who's read their Bible, any person who's read the Bible could argue with that point. That's the thing that Jesus, that Father God wants the most for you. What's the second thing he wants? You might disagree, but here's what I believe. This is my opinion. He wants you to fulfill your God-given purpose. A little callback from last Sunday. He wants you to do the thing on this planet that only you can do. 
Find that way to serve him. Find that way to make an impact. Have that conversation with that other person. Seek after that. You will find it. Seek after a way to powerfully serve God in this life under the sun, and you will find it. And the work that you do on this planet will have eternal value. That's the good news for us. Let's pray over that. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the example that you have given to us. You were fully devoted to the Father's will. You kept the Father's commands, and, and you do that in a way. You set a standard for us that, that we can't follow in and of ourselves in the flesh in our own strength, but God, by the power of your Holy Spirit that dwells within us and among us, we ask that you would allow us to serve you boldly in our community. Lord Jesus Christ, speak to each one of us. Show us what we can do within our circle of influence, among our friends, among our family members, within our community. What can we do to serve you? What can we do that has eternal value? And as a church, I ask the same question. What can we as Hope Community Church do to serve you? We ask that you would reveal these things to us as we continue on in this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.